Last week, we began this series called uh, Resolution Revolution. And if, if you're like me, you kind of, it's like every year you have the same couple of things that you're trying to get straightened out in life. And, and you know, we had the things that we were, should have done in 2016 that never got done that you carried over from 2015 that were on the list from 2004. You know, one of those things. So last week we studied the, the life of Moses, at least his calling at 80 years of age to go back to Egypt and, and get the people out of there. And, and so we, we basically said, this is where you need to start. So whatever, whatever it is you feel God is calling you to change in your life, this is just a great time to take inventory. That is... What we learned from Moses is where I think we all need to start, and that was basically start where you are and use what you have and do what you can. Just a beautiful, simple way to just process and then create a plan for the next step. And, and the, the big thing that I wanted to encourage us was it's, it's, it's you be you, let God be God. And you just take what the next step is in your life that you feel he is calling you to. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks now, starting today, we're going to, we're going to talk about everything that I have. So rethinking everything I have is, is today's focus on this resolution, revolution, rethinking everything I have. And I think it is so important for us, whether you are a believer, whether you consider yourself a follower of Christ, whether you're still trying to figure all that out and are not sure, all of us realize this, that there has to be a reason why we are here on this earth, right? I mean, there, there has to be a reason why we are all here. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I know in general what it is because of what the Bible says. But you specifically, there has to be a reason for why you are here. Because if anybody else could do what you were put here to do, then you would not be necessary. God would have already taken you on to heaven. As a believer then, as I look at that statement, I also realize this. That my relationship with Christ should impact how I live. So when I'm looking at the things in my life that I feel like need to that I need to be resolute about, that I need to change, that I need to, to make a difference in, my relationship with Christ ought to affect what my life looks like. So, so the question is, is there any significant difference in the life that you're living because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, this is kind of one of those things where, where I have to kind of check myself because I know a lot of really mean Christians. Right? And it's like, what? And I think, there, I mean, there's, and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not painting them with that broader brush, but I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't think you got the same instruction manual as I did. Right? I don't think we're looking at this thing the same way. And on, and on the flip side, it's like, I know a lot of non-believers. I know a lot of people who, who don't consider themselves a Christian that are really nice people. I've got some friends, and I tell them, you'd make a really good Christian. Right? Isn't that funny? But it's like, it's, so, but, but I, I truly think this, that I really think that there ought to be a difference. There ought to be something significant that is in the process of happening because you are living this life 
with the influence of Jesus Christ. There ought to be changes being made. And I'm being a little sarcastic, but wouldn't it be nice if, if Jesus left somebody here to help us through life, to kind of give us some guidance and to go alongside of us? Well, he did, right? So in, in John chapter 14, when he was on his way to heaven, he was, he was telling his disciples about his departure. And I didn't put this up on the screen, but uh, he, was, he was letting them know that he's leaving somebody there for them to help them through life. I gave you the references in your notes if you got a bulletin on the way in. But in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And comforter is capitalized, meaning it's a spiritual, it's a godly person. And the word comforter in the Greek is the word paraclete. And it has the, it has the intention of somebody who goes alongside of you. Like, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm with you in life. So Jesus is saying, I'm going back to my Father, but the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is going to stay behind. He's going to go alongside of you. He's going to be the one that helps you through life. And he goes on and says, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, capital S, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, and then it says this, and shall be in you. So we have somebody that goes alongside of us, that indwells us to help us through life. But are we listening? And then we were left an instruction manual, right? I gave you that reference as well, but I didn't put it up here. The the, the word of God is to help perfect us. It's supposed to help grow us. I believe this. I believe God is at work in your life. He is trying to work in your life. He's trying to change who you are. He wants to take you somewhere. I jotted this down. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. So here's here's the truth. He's moving you from where you are to where he knows you need to be. So (laughs) if you don't feel that's happening, you're not on the bus. Because he's wanting to get you from here to here. And if you don't sense any change taking place, if there's nothing you're working on, if you don't feel is leading in your life, you're not on the bus because Jesus is on the bus trying to take you from where you were and lead you to where you are because he knows this is best for you. The relationship that you have with Jesus Christ ought to affect how you live. Every area of your life. Because I believe this, every aspect of your life has a spiritual component to it. Whether it's your health, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, every area of your life, there's a spiritual component to it. And God has an opinion and God has a means to take you in that area of your life where he wants you to be. He has a plan for your life. 
And God has a plan for every area of your life. So here's what we tend to do. We go through life guessing what that might be and trying to do the best that we can to to figure out how it is that God wants us to live with our limited amount of knowledge and with our limited amount of insight. But the truth of the matter is God already has a plan. We just got to get connected with it. So how all of that relates to what we're going to cover today. There are few things in life that reveal more about you and what your priorities are than where you put your money. I say money in general. I mean whatever you have, right? I'm not talking about just like cash in the bank. I mean it's like your possessions, what you own, what you think you have. Where you put that and what it's doing is a great indicator of what the priorities in your life are. You just can't argue that. Because they used to say, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your life. It's like where you're spending your money, what you're doing with what you have, shows what your priority is. Now, thankfully, I have a gym membership that shows where my priority is. If you looked at my checkbook, you would see that 1999 comes out of that thing, and it has for the last 11 years. So maybe that statement's not all that true. <laughs> but at least my money's going there, right? Even if I'm not. Jesus said in Matthew, he said this, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Right? I mean, it's like you can't, you just can't get away from that. It's like you can, you can say that you love her, but if you don't invest anything, I mean, you know, it's like you can say you love God, but if you're not investing anything. So the question is, how has my relationship with Jesus Christ affected my relationship with money and with what I have? What is different about my life and how I treat my possessions because I know Jesus Christ? How has Jesus influenced you in that area of your life? So if we want to gain a proper understanding and have clear knowledge and perspective about our possessions, I'd like to make the argument that we have to have two very necessary acknowledgments. The first necessary acknowledgement is that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Can you argue that? I mean, it's like everything belongs to God. He is the originator of everything we see, everything we experience, everything we know, everything we enjoy. God is the originator of all of that. There are a myriad of verses in Scripture that defend that, that indicate that. How about, how about Psalm 24, verse 1? It says this, the earth is the Lord's. That encompasses about everything. And then the psalmist takes it a step further and says, and the fullness thereof. So the earth and then whatever's in it, the world and <laughs> they that dwell therein. That's everything, folks. God owns everything. 
everything belongs to God. This? Yep, that. This? Yeah, that. I mean, everything. Everything belongs to God. So that's our first acknowledgement. Our second acknowledgement is a little tougher. Everything I have belongs to God. Now, if you're going to accept the first acknowledgement, yep, Eric, everything belongs to God. I believe that. Then honestly, folks, just logically, you have to accept the second thing, and that is that everything you have belongs to God. It's, you, there's, there's, there's no separating those two. Romans chapter 11, I, I wasn't able to put everything up on the screen, but I'm going to read a couple of verses before we get there, but 1136 is where we're going. Check this out. Paul says in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past beyond finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who have first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? And then our scripture, for of him, (laughs) and through him, and to him are all things. Folks, that's everything. That's every which way. I mean, that's... It's, 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 it's of him, it came through him, and it ought to go back to him. Everything belongs to God, therefore everything I have belongs to God. Yeah, but Eric, I mean, <laughs> I'm the one who made the money to make the payment on the thing that I think I own. Hey, Just because you're the possessor doesn't mean you're the owner. Okay? Just because it's in your possession doesn't mean it's yours. Now, folks, wrap your brain around this because this is incredibly important. This is is a significant point in the message today. Just because you possess it doesn't mean you own it. How many of you ever had kids that grew up, and then got their driver's license? Isn't that a scary thing right there? Here you go. It's like there's that awkward moment before she gets her own and she's using yours. And I mean, I love her and I want her to be safe and I don't want her to get hurt. Don't wreck my car. I just, I finally got breathing room on my insurance premiums for my first, like when she got married, I was like, yes, she's not on my insurance anymore. And now Kimber is like, got her manual. She's like starting to do, she's going to take the learner's permit and all that. And I'm thinking, oh man. So like, so you let your kid borrow the car, right? How silly would it be if she comes home after going to work and doesn't give me the keys back? No, Dad, that's mine. I drove it. It's mine. I have the keys. It's mine. (laughs) No, ma'am. I tell you what, stay at work. I'm coming to pick up the keys, and you're walking home. 
because that's my car. That's my car. So, so here we are, grown-up adults, thinking everything belongs to me because I worked for it. Just because you possess it doesn't mean you own it. And you need to stop, you, we need to stop treating everything we possess as though it's ours. Folks, everything belongs to God. And therefore, everything I have belongs to God. But here's how we are. Like if I came to your house on a Saturday morning and I made you a beautiful pie, number one, that would be a miracle. But if I brought you a pie on a Saturday morning, I said, just love you, thinking about you, enjoy the pie. Wow, thanks. Appreciate it, Eric. And then the next Saturday, I show up at the same time, knock on your door, put the pie on your doorstep, and just walk away. You call me up, dude, what's going on, man? Thank you. This is great. And then the next Saturday, I show up, and I do it again. And I do it that way for like a year. After a while... You get out of bed and just go to the door to get your breakfast. Go home. And then like, like if I didn't show up one Sunday, one Saturday morning, you go to the door and the pie's not there. Eric, man, where's my pie? Oh, you mean the pie that I've been giving you every Saturday? Yeah, where's my pie? That's how we are with God. It's his. Everything belongs to God, and everything I have belongs to God. Folks, what I want to do is get us to rethink the sovereignty of God, because here's the truth. If we recognize the sovereignty of God in our life, it changes everything. I have a great friend. I've known him for a long time that is experiencing incredible health problems. He has for about the last year. He's going to Mayo Clinic. There's only 5% of his pancreas that's actually functioning right now. And in 12 days, they're having to remove his pancreas completely because the 5% that's left is causing him more problems than if it wasn't even there. So here's the choice that he has right now. He hasn't worked for a year. They've gone through a hard, tough year, hell on earth. He's my age. We went to college together. Spoke to him on Friday. He said, Eric, here's a decision that I had to make. I have the surgery. And I can potentially die. There's a 50-50 chance that I won't make it through surgery. He said, oh, I don't have surgery. And I live this way for as long as I can. He's got fentanyl patches on. He's, got, he's, he's doing everything he can just to reduce the pain that he's experiencing. And he said, and I can't live this way. He said, so I tell you what I'm doing. He said, I'm writing down for my wife all the bills that have to be paid. Everything that I do because I may not be here. Folks, listen. That realigns your life. So you can sit here today and say, yeah, but I work for this. Who gives you the health to have a job? All of us know somebody 
that there has been something catastrophic happened in their life that has changed their life forever. But it hasn't happened to you yet. And it's amazing how all of that will make a major shift in our life and make us rethink everything about our life. And we recognize the sovereignty of God. I'll tell you what it does. It makes us more grateful for what we have. God, thank you for everything I get to enjoy because it's all yours and you let me possess it for a little while. It causes me to be grateful for what you've given me. When we recognize the sovereignty of God, it not only causes us to be grateful, but it helps us to be more generous. Because <laughs> it's not mine anyway. So God, how do you want me to use this? So if I, <laughs> if I called my daughter, like she's at work, in my car, Hey, hon, do you think you can stop by the grocery store on the way home and pick up a gallon of milk? No, Dad. What now? Right? It just doesn't seem right. When you're grateful for everything you have because God has allowed you to have possession of it for a while, it's just easier to be more generous with what you have. Because I believe that here's, here's like, so like, like there's this conduit where everything that we have comes from God. And so many of us have just capped it off. Like everything from God just flows to us and that's it. And we're going to keep everything. And we're gonna, it's going to gather right here. and We're capping it off because we want all of it for ourselves. God wants you to put an elbow on that thing to bless other people. And he will give to you so that you can give to them. And then when he sees you giving to them, he wants to give more to you. And I'm not saying he's like a, you know, a genie bottle, you're going to rub it and get everything you want. But I think when you have a heart of gratitude, it's easier to be generous because it's not your stuff. Everything I have belongs to God Almighty. And he is sovereign in my life, and he can tell me whatever he wants to tell me what to do with it. Because he's God, and I'm just Eric. And I don't know what God knows. And even if he doesn't bless me when I give, it's still the right thing to do because I wouldn't have anything to begin with if it weren't for God. Here's, here's what... I don't get, right? So, so a couple months ago, I was talking about, you know, a tithe belongs to the Lord and all that kind of stuff, and I believe that, and, and 10%, but a lot of people are like, ooh, 10%, ooh, okay, so start at 1%, start at 2%, wherever you are, get all that, all right? And even if, even if you know more about the Bible than I do, and that's likely, so even if you know more about the Bible than I do, and you say, well, that was an Old Testament passage, and God doesn't say, whatever, give to God. Start somewhere and give to God and give to others, and live a generous life. And even if God doesn't bless you more, it was still the right thing to do. Because he's blessed you as much as you are. So, but, but here's, well, I gave, but I didn't get blessed. You are blessed. 
Well, I tried that for a while. Golf clap. Big whoop-de-doo. Well, sometimes I want to cuss while I'm preaching. <laughs> if you'd write it down, I'll sign it. It's just like, come on, people, get real. You're not all that. You serve a sovereign God who has given you everything you enjoy. So don't think you're all that when you tip God. Oh, here comes the offering plate. Let me see what I got here. And, and listen, that's between you and God. Really, and I mean that from, from the bottom of my heart. You know your heart. Like, yeah, it's been a good week. I'll give him a $5 bill. It's been a good week. God's not impressed with tipping. We ought to be generous because we're grateful. And recognizing the sovereignty of Almighty God allows for God to have the final word in my life. I'm responsible to God for everything I possess because I'm not the owner, I'm the steward. I'm just taking care of his stuff that happens to be parked in my driveway and in my house and in the bank accounts that have my name on it. God has the final say-so in what I have and how I use what I have and how I spend what I have and how I give what I have. Because here's the truth. God can have everything. Because he already has it. It's already his. So, where that leaves us, if, if you look at what Moses went through, when God was calling him from where he was to where he wanted, in a message like this, you start to rethink everything about your possessions in your life. It goes back to what we discussed last week. Start where you are and use what you have and do what you can do. I want you to feel uncomfortable this morning because that's what happens when things in your life get shook up. You should be reconsidering and rethinking everything you have. How does God want me to use it? What does God want me to do with it? Because it's all his. Maybe you ought to say, here's the keys, God. Here's the keys. Thanks for letting me use it. I know it belongs to you. You tell me what you want me to do. That needs to be our heart's attitude. We need to rethink everything we have. Because everything belongs to God, and everything I have belongs to Him. Let's pray. Father, I, I don't know how to more clearly express what you wanted to say this morning. And I look at my own life, 
and I'm shook up because there are things that I tend to grasp hold of and worry about and hold more tightly than I think makes you happy. And I pray, Father, you would just help me to have clarity of mind and heart and help me to be more grateful for what I have and more generous with what I have. And remember that you have the final say in what I do with whatever I have. And I love you and thank you for the life that you've given to me and the goodness you've shown in my life. And show me where I need to improve in Jesus' name. Amen.